I'm Marnie Vinge, and this is Erioki. Join me and my friends as we explore the darker side of the Sooner State. One of my favorite uh, memes that has been going around the last year is the one that's like, I am straight up not having a good time. <laughs> not fun anymore 2020 okay it's not fun anymore i am straight up not having a good time yeah i love that That, oh my gosh i feel that that was (laughs) amazing so um i i'm marnie Vinge, and this is irioki hi i'm kayla coffee and this is not localites okc yes you put me in front of a mic and i'm like oh it's not my show okay sorry (laughs) so i'm here tonight with kayla coffee who is from localites okc um and kayla and i met because at the time that uh, right around, I think I was like nine, ten episodes in, I joined the Spies Network, and you mm-hmm. guys were with the Spy? We were. Yes, and so that's kind of how we met, and then Kayla and I like got to hang out a few times, and we're both very busy, so we didn't get to hang out a whole bunch. I know, but immediately, like, we just started, like, DMing on Instagram. Yes. And then, like... We were like, vibe check. Exactly. Like, and yeah. then we were like, okay, let's meet up in real life. And then we like both get Coors Lights and we're like, okay. We're like, oh girl, okay. Do we need to talk about Red Dirt music for three hours? Yes. yes we do. <laughs> yes, we do. And this is like the first time I've seen Kayla since the last time that we went to a soft opening. Right. Which had over a year ago. Over a year, over a year ago. Or almost. Wait. Yeah. Was it? Because we did. Um, now I'm like you were on our Halloween episode. No, that's true. I was. I was on the Halloween episode. Was that before or after? The it soft was after opening? because the soft opening was the same time as that live thing that I did. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. So but that yeah. was a lie. You just lied to the people. I did. Marty. I lied to the people. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> no, but you were on the Halloween episode of our show. So yes. Localites OKC highlights all kinds of, well, pre-pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. So we came up with the idea over three years ago. Didn't actually account for a global pandemic happening because we cover big events, fundraisers, um, just really cool, you know, events happening in the community and new businesses opening up. And so we're like at all the parties. We're at the hottest new restaurant. We're bringing our friends to help us eat free food because mm-hmm. it's a tough life. Um, it is. <laughs> and then, yeah, March, we switched networks. We joined Mostly Harmless Media Network out of the Tower Theater. And then two weeks in, the world shuts down. That's awesome. And, we, well, <laughs> you know, it worked. We're, uh, yeah. we're making it work. I mean, uh, but that, that is exciting that you guys, I mean, like – New and exciting adventures. Exactly. Besides, besides the pandemic. Besides like, the pandemic. Yeah, if that fine. hadn't happened. But yeah. Um, so yeah, Kayla and I, we hit it off right away and we've been wanting to do an episode together for quite some time. We have been. What um, was really fun was we started swapping stories of what mm-hmm. it's like to be local podcasters. Yes. The, one of the first times we hung out, <laughs> that was kind of, um, I... I think I was asking you for advice because at that point in time... You were so new. I was a baby. I was a baby and I was dealing with some creepy stuff. Yes, men. Yes. DMs. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. I was, yeah. Mm. Um, Which I no longer receive. Thank you. Thank goodness. Like, that is not happening anymore. Um, But yeah, at that point in time, I was kind of dealing with... um, some of that, uh, and just so you know, it's no one that's in the audience now. Like it's you know, it's nobody that I talk to currently, anything like that. Um, but yeah, Kayla gave me a whole bunch of advice. We talked about a lot of funny things that have happened to both of us uh, since becoming, I guess, having a little bit of visibility in a smaller community, yeah, you know, kind of a thing. Um, like 
one of, uh, I wasn't going to tell this story earlier because I was like, you know, I didn't want to sound whatever, but I'll tell it now because I've had a couple of these Will and Wiley seltzers. Oh my gosh, so, shout yeah. out. Yeah, Coupel Works seltzers. Oh, they're so good. They're Amazing. so good. The cherry lime one is so good. But one of the things that had just happened when Kayla and I uh, hung out the first time, um, I had been on a date with someone and we were at a bar and while we were at the bar, mm-hmm. we we're sitting there, he and I are talking and another guy comes walking up to our table and like at first I think he's about to tell the guy that I'm with to stop smoking. Like that's what I thought he <laughs> right. was gonna say. And you no, know, he looks at me and he goes, I, I'm really sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you guys, but I just want to tell you I really love your podcast. And it was like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> like fangirl moment. Oh my god, it was so cool. The guy I was with thought I was like a million times cooler than I actually am. Like it was it worked out, but things with him did not work out. So, you know, whatever. But that's okay. That's yeah. so funny. Well, it was still a fun story. I was telling you about so we have a huge craft beer audience. Mm-hmm. Um, because we have had so many breweries open yeah. in Oklahoma we in have the a last ton. I know. What even just in the last three years, like mm-hmm. the majority of them have just opened. Like we had a like a that's solid so amount before and it's just exploded because of the mm-hmm. laws changing and, and high point oh, yeah, beer yeah, yeah, and yeah. That tap rooms. complete and total sense. Exactly. Um, so we've been interviewing them all along the way and developed this audience of craft beer dudes. And so that's so fun. I'm, I know it is because I, so I love craft beer. I homebrew craft beer. I'm so into it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm at Brewers Union, right? Like right after they opened, which is in the old um, Mustang Brewing space out on Meridian. Yeah. And I am, you know, just chatting away with the bartender. He's like, what do you want? And I'm like, what the fuck ever, as long as it's not an IPA. Like, you yeah. know me. I just hate <laughs> yeah. hops. It's fine. Give me something sour. Give me something, you know, dark and I'm stout. I'm like, give me a Coors Light. <laughs> right. Well, am... you you know I also love a Coors Light. You do. Light. You do. But, yeah. um, Yes, and so I'm, like, ordering, kind of, and this guy behind me, like, is, like, are you one of the localites? Oh, my God, that's so weird. I know, and I turned around, and I was, like, oh, yes, and he's, like, you're much shorter in person, and I'm, like, oh, my God, of course you would say that. Oh, my God, that's funny. Yeah, I could never tell you guys apart, but I can tell your voice, and I was, like, oh, my God, like, really? He was, like, oh, yeah, you're the loud one, and I'm, like, yep, there you go. That's me. Now you can tell us apart. That's really funny. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Getting getting recognized is kind of like a it's a cool thing. It's, it's kind happen. of like a rite of passage on like this audio mm-hmm. medium, you know, when people yeah. hear you in real life and then recognize it. It's yeah. like, thanks for being a fan. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of makes it makes you feel like you're making enough of an impact that people are paying attention, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a that's a really good feeling. Um, like that you're doing a good job. Yes. kind of a thing. But yeah. So one of the reasons, like I said, uh, Kayla. And I are going to do a story that has to do with the place that we first met, which is the spy. The spy, yes. And some of you brought us together. It did. Some of you may or may not know this, but across from the spy, there is a an apartment complex, Mm -hmm. the Metropolitan. Yeah, the Metropolitan on Oklahoma. Super groovy looking. Oh yeah, yeah. It's fancy. It's new. It is brand new. Yeah, it's very very cool. Um, but anyway, where that now stands. Back in, let me see what year it was. I believe that it was 1976. Oh, 70s. Mm-hmm. Spooky. Uh, that is where the first victim of the Oklahoma City Butcher was found. Oh, wow. Yes. That's so, crazy. Just right, like right yeah. across the street from yes. where we used to record. Oh, yeah. Last yeah. Halloween, mm-hmm. we, we were, were across the street across from it. Didn't even know. Ooh, didn't even know. Oh, it's yeah. It's creepier. <laughs> it is creepy. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, 
Um, that's why I wanted to have Kayla on to discuss this. We're going to take a couple episodes and break this down. So, I'm um, excited. But yeah. Uh, so anyway, the Oklahoma City Butcher, let's get started. Like I said, the first victim was found at 325 Northeast 6th Street in downtown Oklahoma City. Um, and you can drive, like like I said, the apartment complex is right there. You can drive right by there. You can see the spy. Like, you can see, you know, all of that. It's kind of weird. Like, when I, I remember when I looked this up and I was researching it, and I, that picture popped up. And I was like, whoa. Oh, my God. It's right across the street from that. Yeah. Like, it was kind of crazy. I was, I was a little ex- excited, out. creeped uh, out. Yeah. All of it. Like, like all, getting All at once. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, oh, my God, this is creepy. <laughs> Um, uh, which I shared a meme on my personal Facebook the other day that was like, if she's a creeper, she's a keeper. Oh my God. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. I loved it too. I would have to go steal that from you. You need to go steal it from my Facebook page. Um, but anyway, so, uh, the first discovery, um, like we were talking about earlier, this area has since been gentrified. Yep. Wasn't super, wasn't like that. And in 1976, also I want to add it was April 1st of 1976. It was April Fool's Day. Of course it was. Which is important. Oh, um, I also like, a, just like spring killings are super weird to me. Like, you know, it's, it's spooky like the earth season. Is you're coming like, here back for to it. life. Yes. And but, it's this out of place thing. Exactly. It's a weird juxtaposition. Exactly. Yeah. You, knew. you knew. I knew. I'm a storyteller girl. I, I knew. It. I knew. I knew. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think I'm always trying to make stories out of everything, like, in my mind, like, I, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a problem, really. Probably it's probably a sickness. But yeah, but I mean, like you're making it work for you. That is true. I am making it work yeah. for me, so that's that's okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this is what happened. Uh, three guys from the oil and gas industry were waiting on a fourth guy, a coworker, mm-hmm. to arrive at their location at the north on the northeast side of the city, and he wasn't showing up. So they're getting bored. You know, they're not like they're like, what are we going to do until he gets here? And they see this abandoned house across the street. Right. And they're like you know like anybody would be curious yeah let's go explore it let's go explore i mean we're stuck here until he gets here anyway yeah so anyway they go across the street and uh one of them had a hoe with them like a garden hoe as you do yeah i like that i specified (laughs) not a regular hoe a garden (laughs) hoe. not his regular hoe it was his garden (laughs) hoe like but yeah um so anyway these three guys, they go inside. They got the guy with the garden hoe. Um, when they first walk in, this was a detail that I found from the Unresolved Podcast's website. Um, one of the guys, when he walked in, he, like, kicked something. Like, the place is a mess, you know, and there's stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. So he kicks, like, this piece of debris, and he doesn't really know what it is, but it's solid, and it's a little bit soft. Ugh. Yeah, you know, where it's going. Yep. <laughs> like, so anyway, so he didn't like really, that. He didn't, I don't like that either. So he uh, didn't really think anything of it. They keep going inside. Um, the guy with the hoe spots a popcorn bucket. Okay. Like like a full-on yeah. movie theater bucket-o yeah. popcorn. Yes. Okay, yeah. cool. So he spots this popcorn bucket, and um, he grabs the hoe, and he tips it over. And what rolls out of that popcorn bucket? Do you have uh, any guesses? I don't want to know. It rolls. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> it rolls. It's round. It's got to be a head. It's a head. It's yeah. a head. It's a female head. Um, so this is a quote from a newspaper article from one of the guys. Right at the door, there was a popcorn box, like you'd get at the drive-in to hold your popcorn and drinks and candy and all that. There was one of them leaning up there. Gene took his stick and hit it. And when he hit it, well, a head came rolling out. We both just kind of stared at it. And being the dummy I was, I picked it up. 
no. And this guy was basically like, it's a dog's head. And the other guy's like, no, that's not a dog's head. That's that's a human head. Um, and I, I think it's important, one of the details um, that's in the articles, uh, that why they didn't immediately recognize it as a human head was because it had been so, quote, abused. Oh, my god, Which is kind of disgusting and frightening. Um, and also, when they called the cops, like I said, it was April 1st, April Fool's. Um, and the cops were kind of like, I, I would imagine there's a little bit of details in the articles that are kind of like, I don't think the cops thought they were telling the truth at first. Right. Like they just thought it's probably like a prank kids playing yeah. a prank or something like it's, you know, not a real head. Um, but finally the cops do get out there. They start investigating the house like they do. Mm-hmm. They start looking around and when they start doing a real investigation, they find other various body parts that oh. are female. Oh, that, I mean, if I was the cop working that scene, I would make the assumption this is the same person. I would hope you know, so. Like that that kind of thing, which yeah. they were right. Um, they found several dismembered uh, body parts um, yeah. in one abandoned house. And also, according to the podcast Unresolved, uh, when the one guy walked in, the thing he kicked that was soft uh-huh. was her thigh. Oh, my God. Like dismembered, I'm guessing above the knee, mm-hmm. kind of below the hip type thing. Um, oh, yeah heebie-jeebies yeah it's, it's just it's just gross yeah. like i mean it lives up to the name butcher like yeah. yeah so uh some details of the killing the woman's sexual organs were removed with the uh precision of someone that understood anatomy um which immediately my mind goes to jack the ripper yep doctor yes um and this also like i want to mention this is the 1970s so not that someone can like watch YouTube and become a surgeon now, mm-hmm. but I think it's slightly easier to get access to the type of information that you might need if you were trying to figure out how to dismember someone. Right. It's a little With bit easier. Internet. Yeah. So this was a 70s. So this is like whoever has this knowledge, I'm guessing they have it like by trade, mm-hmm. like you were saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, and it's also the golden age of serial killing. Um, right. Which is a term that Peter Vronsky uses in his book sons of cain okay so um which i love the title because sons of cain refers to the serial killers mm-hmm. you know like they are the sons of, sons cain. of cain i love it yeah but anyway so he um and he actually was on i think there's a show on prime called i think it's called serial killer culture okay and it's all about murderabilia and he's been on it he's been on it yes and so anyway he calls the 70s and 80s like the golden age of serial killing because I think it was like everything, it was like a perfect storm Mm -hmm. for things to be just right to be a serial killer. Now, you know, I'm (laughs) Whitney shared something the other day that was like, uh, I wonder if there's a serial killer right now, just like really hardcore trying to talk his second cousin out of doing 23 and me, you know, (laughs) can you imagine like if you were a serial killer and you like saw the golden state killer get put away and you're like, Oh, Uh, yeah. It's Shit. time. It's, it's time. over. It's every, over. Like, every time someone knocks on your door. Oh, I'd like, be terrified. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would live in fear. <laughs> oh, my God. I oh mean, not God. that you wouldn't already. Right, but yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, oh my, my gosh. God. Yeah. Which I always wonder about that. Like, I always wonder. Because every time you see a serial killer, like, in the courtroom, they're, like, stone-faced. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't feel anything. Anything. Like, I... Because I think... Like, I... Every time I watch, like, a courtroom documentary, like... I was watching the Scott Peterson thing from Hulu the other day. And yeah. like, even he, when he got the verdict, like there was an emotional response in his face, even though I think he totally did it. There was something registered. Right. Well, like and an I emotion. think there's something different in like murdering your wife. Oh, and yeah. Like a lot of randos. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Just 
throwing it out there. But yeah. Anyway, sorry. So <laughs> one of the cool things about Peter Vronsky is yes. that he actually ran into two separate individuals who turned out to be serial killers without him realizing it when he first ran into them. That's insane. Which is crazy. And which is kind of what propelled him down the path that he is on now. Um, the first To be one, this expert on them. Yes. So the first one, he um, was in New York City. He had just got there. He didn't have any money. didn't have a job. Super, super broke. And... Uh, the only place that he could afford to stay was like one of those hourly motels. Right. Super, the super seedy. nice yes. ones. Yeah. You know? Super nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to say that, I want to say he said it was even in Times Square, which used to be so, so rough. Sketch, yeah. So sketchy. So scary. Um, so anyway, he is checking into this hotel and as he gets off the elevator on the floor that he is about to like check into this like gross room, he, this individual comes walking down the hallway. It's a guy he just has these dead eyes that are looking straight through Peter. Yeah. And he's got a duffel bag. And when he bumps into Peter, he doesn't even register that the dude is there. He bumps into him and Peter feels what's in that duffel bag. And he describes much like what the guy described when he kicked the thigh, like it was soft. soft. Yeah. Ugh. Soft, but with a structure. Yeah. Like a body. And Ugh. so anyway, it turned out that that guy got arrested, was killing girls in that part of Manhattan or whatever, wherever it was. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, years later, he's making a documentary in Russia. And I don't even remember what the documentary was about, but this guy, a Russian guy, comes up to him super passionately wants to talk about whatever the subject of this yeah. documentary is. Like he has opinions galore. And so Peter's like kind of entertaining it, but also feels like the guy's a little off. So he's like, I'm not going to put this in my movie, but I'll let him keep talking. Yeah. And so he's just like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever, dude. Like just whatever he can say to get him to go away. Guy goes away. We've all been there. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they, that guy goes away. Peter like takes his tapes home or whatever, makes his documentary and later he realizes that that guy was one of the most famous, infamous serial killers to ever come out of Russia. That is crazy. I want to say that it's the guy that, have you ever heard about the guy that like has some insane body count? Yes. I think it was that guy. It was guy. him. Maybe. And he just like couldn't resist coming to this guy's set. Yeah. And like being and on chatting camera. chatting it up with him. Yeah. yeah oh exactly. my God. Yeah. Because well, they say that about serial killers, oh, yeah. that they like yeah. want to be close to oh, absolutely. whatever's going on. Which I'm actually going to bring that up in the next episode because I have a theory about that when it comes to the suspect Ooh. pool. Okay. Because this is unsolved. Like this is unsolved. Oh shit. Um. But anyway, so like I said, golden age of serial killing. Um, and the sexual organs that had been removed were completely, like, missing from the crime scene. Oh, like and, a keepsake. Yeah, like Ugh. a trophy. And the hands were missing, Ugh. which I think the hands were missing because it was a matter of, I don't know if fingerprinting was quite a thing quite yet, like, until maybe, like, the mid-80s. but Identification. Maybe it maybe. was kind of a thing like that. Maybe it was a trophy thing. But anyway, so the trophy-like thing. Um, all of you who listen to all these true crime podcasts like this one, you already know all about trophies, but I have a little tidbit that I'm pretty sure you don't know. Okay. Um, that I learned in intro to forensics. And that is that whenever the FBI or the police or whoever, whenever they're going to go to a house to execute a search warrant and they're pretty sure that who they are searching is a serial killer. The first thing that they are all told to look for is jewelry that looks out of place. That's either tucked under the bed in a box mm -hmm. or in the closet hidden somewhere where like my jewelry is in the bathroom on the counter. Okay. You know, cause I'm going to wear it. Right. Mine's in my jewelry box. Exactly. Or yes. my lock box. Where it belongs. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they oftentimes will find a collection of jewelry kind of hidden away. Like 
not in a way that like you would if you just didn't want someone to get your jewelry right like and so that's the first thing they look for oh that's is so weird. trophies that makes sense yeah absolutely yeah and and one of the things that they also that he talked about was like um they look for it and they try to figure out if it like that it does not belong to the wife because there's almost always a mm -hmm. wife like so but yeah and that creeped me out so much that because there are so many serial killers that don't make the news right. stuff like that and a lot of them do have wives like yeah. i mean look at dennis Rader. i know i honestly sometimes and we can get into this mm -hmm. later but you're like oh they got married and i'm mm -hmm. gonna die alone <laughs> oh my god yeah okay oh serial god. killer okay serial killer <laughs> <Sorry>. okay okay <laughs> like i'm not jealous of dennis Rader. that's not what i'm saying <laughs> you're not you're not <laughs> We're going to, um, actually Kayla and I are going to do an after show after this and we're going to talk about dating. So that's, <laughs> so if you tuned. want, stay tuned, <laughs> subscribe on Patreon. If you want to hear us talk about dating and Tinder and horror like, stories, horror stories, <laughs> like not necessarily our own horror stories, but I'm going to tell a couple that I found on the internet and also just tell some funny ones that I have for myself. But Same. <laughs> anyway, so trophy like kind of thing. Yes. Um, another detail from the unresolved pod is that they determined her to be dead for about a month. Oh, um, wow. And her face was very mutilated. Um, and the guy, I'm, I'm assuming it's a guy, which I, I mean, most serial killers are. Yeah. Um, he had given her like a Chelsea smile. Oh. So like she was, her mouth was like the Joker. Yeah. Like yeah. forced to yes. smile for mm -hmm. eternity. Exactly. Ugh. Yeah. Which reminds me again of Jack, Jack the, the Ripper. Ripper. Yeah. So three years pass, um, almost exactly. It was April 19th, 1979. A second victim is found and this time though i feel like it was a little more horrific because uh children were involved oh. there were some kids that were pay playing basketball um and a dog comes running down the street mm -hmm. and dog has something in its mouth not another head another head oh. <laughs> yes the yes, heads oh, a head. the story. yes the heads there are so many heads um so yeah they the dog has a head in his mouth or her mouth, I don't know. I mean, I guess it could be a girl dog. But um, so this this happened on Northeast 10th Street. So uh, for anyone familiar with the area, which is most of the people that listen to this, um, that is not like but a stone's throw away from where the first victim yeah. was found. Um, so anyway, the cops, they come and investigate. They find other body parts throughout the neighborhood surrounding the original discovery. Wow. And according to a Reddit thread I looked at, those additional pieces of person included a hand, a woman's pelvis, pancake-sized portions of human skin, Ugh. other tissues. And according to that same post, the pieces were meticulously cleaned uh -huh. and, like, wrapped up in newspaper or put in paper bags. So it was very, like, purposeful yes. that they wanted them to find that. Oh, like, yeah, I don't like which that. Which is, mm -hmm. oh, God. Yeah. Um and also, this victim was quickly identified uh, via fingerprints, and her name was Arlie Killian, um, and she was Native American. Ugh. Which I don't remember if I mentioned that about the first victim. She was Native American. Oh, my goodness. So both very young Native American women who were also involved in sex work. Of course they were. Yes. Ugh, so this, one this... of the ways that oh. they actually determined kind of, uh, this was kind of interesting to me uh, about the first victim. I didn't I didn't mention this. Um they determined that she was probably lower class based on her gastrointestinal, like, contents. Oh, yeah, her eating habits. Yes, yeah. exactly. And something about that, they linked it all to prostitution, and both of these women were involved in the world of sex work, which, as we know, is 
can be dark for the very reason that those people are neglected and yeah. not cared for in the same way that they should be like other members of society and stuff like that. Well, but, and the first one wasn't found for a month. How long did right. it take to find the second one? I want to say the second one, it was like right away. Okay. It was very quick. Like, because her family, Arlie Killian's family actually saw her hours before she went missing. And I want to say she was found the next day. Is the first victim still unidentified? No. Oh, okay. But we will get to that. Okay. Yes. I'm so sorry. But she was not at that time. She wasn't at that no, time. No, they okay. still didn't know who oh, she was. Wow. Um, so anyway, okay. um, they were the pieces were meticulously cleaned in paper bags or in newspapers, and she was Native, Native American, yeah. um, also known to be involved with sex work. And her family had seen her right before she disappeared. I mean, definitely a pattern. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so then comes the third and final victim. Okay. So about seven years pass. Oh, there was one thing I was going to say. Okay, so yeah. you know how I talked about the gastrointestinal thing? Yes. There is a show on HBO that is called Autopsy. It's an old show. Okay. It's not like current or anything. Um, and it's just an autopsy doctor who basically tells about his most interesting cases. And this one, I will never forget this. I think it's in like the first episode. He, um, a young woman had died and he was able to put her at the scene with her killer based on what she had eaten holy cow because she had eaten french fries from a diner in like brooklyn and it was the only diner within like a 20 mile radius that sold that kind of french fry, fry. and her boyfriend had been seen there and oh, he was the one who killed her crazy. isn't that crazy like yeah like he i mean he basically put her murderer Ugh. away from what was in her stomach. I mean, again, not to be jealous, but, like, if I die, I would love to be identified by french fries. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a bucket list item. I love french fries I so love much. french fries so much. Okay, oh, sorry. No, potatoes <sighs> are, like, my, my I'm a language. hobbit. I'm a hobbit. Yeah. Yes. Like, uh, potatoes. Yeah. Potatoes are life. Oh, they're the best. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway. We've had, yeah. I'm like, oh, we've had this conversation. Yeah. Anyway. The, the third and final victim, I say final in quotes. So about seven years pass, and it's 1986. Okay. Oh, so, the 80s. Yes. So right around the same uh, time of year, it's March 6th. Oh, with the spring. I know, the spring murders. Um, so this happened, this body or head or pieces of person were found at 501 Northeast 1st Street. Okay. So up there, same area of town. Yeah, we um, went first, like seventh, eighth, tenth. Right. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, also you've seen the thing about the body that was found in the plaza, the skeleton. Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah. So like the skeleton just recently. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, past so, an empty lot that I walk by all the time. God, and houses are right there, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. Like. Okay, so here's my whole thing about I'm that. Not, I, like, I'm not okay. Anyway, continue. I, I get tagged in so many things now because yeah. of, like, what, what I do. do. Like, yeah, I, so my friend shared that onto my wall the other day, which I'm like, oh, my God. I'm pretty sure that most of my family thinks that I am, like, a Satanist. I'm going to hell. Like, <laughs> I'm fine. pretty sure. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, so anyway. Oh, my God. She shared that on my wall. And what I thought was so weird about it is that... Number one, it's a part of town where a lot of people are. You're walking by it all uh -huh. the time. It's an empty lot, right? Yep. But there's stuff all around it. Yep. Okay. So it's a skeleton, which means that, like, the body has decomposed. How long does that take? Quite a while. Okay. Because I was a, like, was a it minute. early I mean, quarantine, like, six right. months ago? Because it's been a little dead. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think that's something. Because, like, you know how at the body farm they, like, basically yeah. study that? I don't know how long out in the open in the springtime yeah. and summer. I don't know how long that would take. 
Because that is a good point that not a lot of people were up there. Yeah, since March. Yes, that is a really good point. Because what I was thinking was, like, did somebody get rid of it, like, after the fact? Like, you know, like, they had the bones. like a secondary location. Yes, yeah, yeah, and they just decided, I'm going to dump it here now. Like, I don't don't know. But they haven't identified the person, have they? Not that I've seen. Okay, yeah. Oh, God, that's so, so creepy. I know. And, like, in our backyard. Yeah. Well, I say ours, you know. I I spend so much time there that I'm, ugh. I used to in the before time. In the before time. In the before time, yes. Great, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Oh, goodness. Okay, third. Yeah, so seven years pass. It's 1986. So um, same time of year, like I said. And anyway, much like the other two victims, the third was beheaded. Her head was found a week later at 507 Lindsay Avenue. Um, and originally they found her left leg. Okay. So again, butchered. Um, and they identified this woman very quickly actually, because she matched a missing persons report. The tattoos were the same. Oh. So they were able to like quickly that's, narrow it down. And that's why you get tattoos. That's right. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's why I've got tattoos. Insurance policy. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. They're going to know it's me. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of this, um, meme that I saw that was like, uh, oh God, what did it say? It was like, what if I get murdered and like someone fast forwards through my episode of Forensic Files because it's boring? Oh my God, I saw it too. <laughs> I'm like, oh my and God. I'm like, I'm that person that fast forwards. I've done that. Oh I know, my you God. feel bad. Oh my God. Bad. Also, I'm, I I don't know for sure, but I think maybe a moth flew into my drink. Oh no. And it's a can, so I can't tell. Right. I might have to pour it out in a glass. That's like, okay. Just to find out if there's a moth I in won't it. judge you. Okay. Um, which I always think it's funny that like a lot of the times when I'm recording in the evening, me and my guests are drinking and this goes out at like 5 a.m. on right? Friday. So like, why like, are they so drunk I know, already? yeah, exactly. They're like tipsy. Like, it's 5 a.m. Do you have a problem, ma'am? Um, the magic of podcasting. The magic of podcasting. That's right. It uh, is a Friday night. me on our show because we mm-hmm. record Wednesday nights and come out Thursday morning. Oh, I was so excited when I got to record with you guys and you had wine. Oh, I was so excited. Thank you. I'm so like, glad you were. Oh, yes. I was like, this is right. my kind of people. Um, but yeah, so she was uh, like almost immediately identified as a woman named Tina Sanders. Um, she was also Native American. Of course she was. So like I said, you remember how I said the first victim still unidentified? Mm-hmm. Okay. So years pass. That first victim is still unidentified. Um, there was a female forensic sculptor that actually made a sculpture of what her face might have looked like back at the time of the murder. Okay. Um, and it actually sat on a detective's desk for like six months. And finally, in 1993, this is from a news article. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. 1993 is the year I was born. Oh, my God. Really? And I'm just, like, very connected to that year, obviously. But I hear it, and I'm like, oh, my God, 93. I'm like, I'm sitting here, and I'm like, you're such a baby. And you're only, like, six years younger than me. (laughs) I am. Well, I'm I'm used to being a baby. And so it's weird, like, now being, like, 27, and people are like, why why do you call yourself the baby? And I'm like, because I've always been the baby. Mm -hmm. It's just a mindset you get used to. Yeah. When you hang out with older people. Yeah. I'm going to take a drink of this, and I'm going to see if there's a moth in it. Okay. I'm really excited. Okay. I'm going to live tell you guys about it. She looks okay. No moth. No moth. No moth. Oh. Oh. Woo. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm really excited because it is that Will and Wiley uh, cherry lime, which is so delicious. Good. Oh. It tastes like a strawberry or a uh, cherry, cherry lime made from Sonic. From Sonic. Yeah. yeah. Which recently I discovered, um, if you put Malibu rum in a slush delicious oh i in high school grew up ocean water <gasps> pour part of it out fill it back up with malibu oh my god that was the move oh my god the i was so su- move i was such a good kid like i didn't oh. drink until i was 20 oh. and i felt like I'm such a rebel you. 
I'm I'm proud of you. That's I started. Oh, I, I don't want to tell you when I started, but I started partying when uh, I was like 15. Yeah. But like it was like my parents had parties. They're yeah. both alcoholics. Not great. Yeah. But they would have like crazy parties with like boxes of like liquor and oh, oh the, you know what the move was in rural Oklahoma? What? Boone's Farm. Oh yeah. Boone's Farm wine. Like my dad would throw these parties and like order cases of Boone's Farm because there's no alcohol in it. You oh have to God. drink like five to feel anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so as a kid, like even when I was just like 12, like my friends and I we would like steal like a case oh and my like God. hide it in my like fort plate like fort. like swing set fort. yes we would like steal fort. a case oh my and then drink like four bottles because like even like 12 year olds need four bottles split among them to feel anything oh my god anyway that was a weird that's so funny that, any, yeah that so, is so funny oh my god it's good that you took a while to learn how oh to drink. my god yeah i did i, I think <laughs> i was scared of my dad like my dad kind of scared me a little bit like he he never was like mean to me or anything but like he was just so stern and reserved that like i thought he'll kill me like oh. he'll he'll he will really kill me yeah but uh, yeah See, and, and i was like they'll literally won't notice an entire case being missing because there's so much yes Oh, my God. So <laughs> anyway, according to this article, finally in 1993, Andra Medina called the police. Her cousin, Kathy Lynn Shackelford, had been missing for 17 years. Medina had held off on calling the police because her mother said it wasn't her place. Shackelford's immediate family should make the call. When her mother died, though, Medina could wait no more. She contacted police. Shackelford's remains were identified that same day. Oh, After DNA tests confirmed the match, the 18-year-old woman, a member of the Sac and Fox tribe, was buried among her relatives in an American Indian cemetery in Shawnee. Oh, I mean, that's horrific what happened, mm -hmm. but, like, that's a kind of a happy ending. Like, yeah, at least, yeah, at least her body is... Laid to rest where it should mm -hmm. be. Yeah. And, and we know who she is now. Yeah, that's true. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, so like I said, all three victims, Native American women who were high, highly vulnerable to being abducted and murdered by virtue of what they were doing. Um, and yeah, so that's where we're going to leave it for this episode. There's a lot more to unpack and we'll get there. Um, we're going to talk about some of the potential suspects, which actually includes Henry Lee Lucas. Oh, I'm excited. Yes. I can't so, wait. Yeah, and the ongoing problem of something. I, I learned this term from the Unresolved podcast, which is the missing missing. Okay. And it's basically... It's uh, it's anyone who is like a vulnerable part of the population who it's like they go missing twice. It's like they go missing and then they're forgotten. Yeah. Like they get purged from the right. system or they it's it's really crazy. Like, we'll we'll talk about it. But anyway, um, so thank you for being here. Kayla. Oh, my gosh. This was so much fun. It was thank so you. Fun. Yeah. <gasps> Do you have anything you want to plug? Um, okay, well, always, if I didn't get it enough at the top, uh, I am the co-host of Look Lights OKC. Um, we are on every major streaming platform mm -hmm. as a podcast. We're also all over the internet, um, Look Lights OKC on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at gmail.com, everywhere you can find us. I, I do marketing for a living. I don't know if you can tell that. <laughs> I'm very into it. Uh, we it. just rebranded and uh, switched our networks back in March, pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. um, we're a little hit or miss on shows right now. We were every single Thursday morning um, prior to that for over three years. But you know well, what? It's such a it's it's like, hard. I it work, is hard. I work in healthcare. Mm -hmm. I'm in marketing and healthcare. Um, I was like, I just said marketing, healthcare marketing. Yeah. But like it's a global pandemic. Yeah. 
Mm. Everything is affected. I mean, yeah, it's affected everything. So we're doing what we can. Um, you can find me at Kayla underscore what Kayla underscore coffee o two. Um, shout out number two, Derek Jeter, Yankees for life. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I have a really funny thing <laughs> okay. to tell you right now. I'm really excited. This is so embarrassing, and I can't believe that I'm actually admitting to the bunch of people that listen to this. Yeah. I read Jose Cinco's book. Oh my god. <laughs> juiced. I read Juiced, read girl. Juiced. Cover to cover. I read Juiced. Okay. I was 21 and he had just been on what was that reality TV show he had been on? Um Oh my god. Oh my god. Hang on, let me look it up real quick. Okay, because, please Google it because okay. I can't think of it right now. Okay, hang on. Uh Jose I am Cinco so excited for reality this. TV. Um so I let's see. Uh what was the surreal life. The surreal life. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There were so many. That was a golden <laughs> oh age. Oh my god! Okay, so this is the description. It's got a five point three out of ten on IMDb. Good. <laughs> okay, so it's a reality show about fading celebrities who were hot back in the day and how they live their day to day lives in one Los Angeles mansion. <laughs> Oh my god. And I, love it. I literally like placed a hold on his book at the Metropolitan Library. I waited for it. I waited for it and I read it. Cover to cover. Do you know how many steroids those guys shot into their asses? I don't know if I want to. So oh many. My god. Girl, so yeah. many. So there was so much of that going on. It was crazy. Ugh. Sorry, I keep hitting the I get really excited. No, I, that was good. Yeah, that so I, I actually read Jose Cinco's memoir. So not oh my, my finest hour, but you know, I like to read, so it happens. Anyway, it happens. but yeah, anything else you want to plug? No, I, I think that I think that did it. I, I people okay. are gonna remember remember Kayla Coffees. So I appreciate you guys. Uh long time Arioki fan. I'm so excited to finally have been on the show. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Thank I'm you so excited so for the next show and the after I know, show. It's gonna be so much fun. Um, go over to patreon.com slash Super, super fun stuff. Um, and thank you to everyone who's been buying books. I love signing them and sending them out. That's been like the most amazing experience. Uh, you guys rock. And also shout out to three special patrons, which are Alicia, Phil, and Ashley. You guys are the best. Stay spooky. Bye.